Anyways. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Let's pray. Father God, we just uh, come before you now and ask that you would open up our hearts and our ears to your word, um, that you'd use me as an instrument to uh, just play the tune of your gospel and the truths that are in this scripture, that you would help us to learn, be convicted, uh, and to grow. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of memories on this stage. Um, if you go back to um, like when I was in youth group, every Wednesday night, we like right after school, um, I, we would come right to the church on Wednesdays. And a group of us would sit up on this stage with our instruments. There used to be a big drum set right here, if you can imagine that. And we had multiple guitars and basses. And we would sit in here and we would jam for hours. We would jam from after school until they forced us to stop and, and go uh, do youth group. Um, fond memories. Um, and, and one thing that... <laughs> One, maybe one particular time, and I don't know if it's a specific memory, but something that happened a lot is uh, the two guitarists would be playing, and we'd be playing a song, and something would sound a bit off, and we couldn't quite pin it. We couldn't figure out why it sounded off, and so we would stop playing, and we would, well, my guitar's in tune, so here, tune to my guitar. And so by our ears, we would tune, okay. All right, so then we're good. We'll start playing again. But still, something was off. We couldn't quite pin it. We couldn't quite figure out why one of the guitars, either his or mine, right, sounded off just the slightest. And, and so eventually we had to cave to going back to the standard of which a guitar is tuned. We had to go to a tuner, a guitar tuner. Maybe if you guys play guitar or are familiar with instruments, you're familiar with what a guitar tuner is. A guitar tuner essentially takes the guitar strings and tunes them to the correct note so that it sounds pretty in our ears. That's essentially what it does. It puts it to the right tune. It puts it in the right key. It tunes an E to the right E as the tuner dictates. The tuner itself dictates what a right E sounds like. That's its purpose. That's why it was created. And so often what would happen is when I was a young guitar player, I would be so focused on... Well, my guitar's in tune. You just need to tune your guitar to my guitar, right? But it always still would sound off. And until I was willing to go, well, wait, no, maybe my guitar's out of tune too. And we went to the standard of the tuner and tuned both of our guitars to the tuner. Then we would make beautiful music. And by beautiful music, it would be beautiful music in my mind, which back then was like punk and hardcore rock and metal and all the, all the good stuff. Most of the stuff I'm sure you're all very fond of. But to me, it was music to my ears. Uh, yeah, still love it to this day. Um, we're going to be jumping back into the book of Acts. And 
I just, last week, I think uh, Eric preached a very powerful message. And, and a lot of it had to do with the text he was preaching. So I don't want to give too much credit to Eric. It was the text he was preaching, okay? Um, <laughs> uh, and, and so going back to that text just for a second, I think it's worth bringing back up what was going on there. They had just experienced the first, uh, they had just experienced their first uh, persecution. It was the beginning of what the church would go through. And they would go through a very hard time, and they'd go through a lot of persecution, and this is where it started. And we go into a scene where the church gets together, and, and I like the way, again, that Eric pointed it out. They didn't get together and, you know, boycott. They didn't get together and go before the, the government or the magistrates of the day to correct the wrong. Like, they shouldn't have done that, those dirty Sadducees. What were they thinking, right? They didn't go and do that. What did they go and do? They got together. And they prayed. And they didn't only get together and pray, but they got together and they reminded themselves of who the God they were worshiping and preaching was. That he was a sovereign God. He was a God who knew all things and was uh, for them and with them. And they trusted in this one God and they reminded themselves of him. Right? And they prayed. And something powerful happened. Right? There was, uh, there was this profound unity, right? I can't forget I have slides. There they are. And they prayed for boldness, and there was literally, the Spirit moved in such a way that the ground shook, right? That's how the text ends. And so now, as we jump into this next section, we're going to be looking at another text that talks about some of the fellowship they enjoyed. But now it's almost like it's on a more intense level because they had just finished this experience that we looked at last week, this praying for boldness, praying that, that God would be the God who he is and that they would remember that, and then praying that they would take that confidence that they have in the Lord and go out and proclaim the gospel to others and live, live their lives in a way that reflected the sovereign God that they served or the powerful, resurrected God that they served. And so now we get a look, really, as we jump into this next section, we get a look at what that looks like on the ground. Because that, that's what this is going to show us. Now I'm just going to, it's only a couple verses. And so we're just going to walk through it. <clears throat> now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. I want to stop there for a second. Of one heart and uh, of one heart and of one soul. There was a unity to them now. They were combined together. They were united together under one mission, under one God. It wasn't uh, community for the sake of community, right? Because that happens a lot. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of cool communities out there. They get together and maybe they play golf or they get together and they're, or, or, or maybe look at Facebook groups, right? You like, there's a ton of Facebook groups you can join today. And you can find a sense of camaraderie and a community within those groups because y'all like Star Wars or y'all like think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, which it is, right? And you can start a group to argue that. Like you can do a group for about just about anything. But there was something different about this community. This was a community that was brought together by God himself moving in them and making um, them unite under this one common goal, God, the gospel, the resurrection, 
They weren't coming together just because it was cool to come together. They were coming together because they were united under one mission. And so because of that, they were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, there's a few things to point out here. One, we know that they were unified by more than just the fact that they were a community. They were unified under the love of God and the mission of God, right? They were unified by this common thing. God saved me. God saved you. And he has put us together and made us his body to go out and do his work, right? And they were under one mission, to go out and proclaim this good news. That's why they were praying for boldness in the previous verses. No matter the circumstances, no matter the hardships that come, no matter... Uh, how easy or hard life gets, I pray that you would give me the boldness to live out this faith I have. That, that you would give me the boldness to go out and do that. And so they were united under that one front. But then another thing is, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Now, <clears throat> a common thing that happens when you look at this text is people argue for like a kind of government ruled kind of socialism type thing where like all your property isn't your property it's all your it's not my own right everything's equal right and some people would say this text argues for that but it it doesn't and actually if you read the rest of acts there is a lot of arguments to be made that people still owned private property like we still had our own things right i mean we live in america we're all for having our own private property right amen yeah that's based on christian principles truth and, and so what it means by that is that they no longer looked at those. It was the heart of the matter. They didn't look at these things as their own. They realized that it was all God's. And they were down with no longer seeing it as just their own. And so because of that, they had everything in common. It, was no, it wasn't a forced thing. It wasn't like the apostles came up to him and were like, hey, sell your property, bro. Give to the needy. They need it. I'm an apostle. Listen to what I'm saying. That's, that's not what happened. They did it out of the generosity that was in their hearts because they had been so shooken by the Spirit moving in their heart and they had been so united that it was all about love of God and love of neighbor. And this neighbor, this Christian, this fellow believer is a part of the same body as I'm a part of. And so because of that, I'm going to give. And it wasn't because they were forced to. It's because they wanted to. It's because they accepted the fact that God is really the owner at the end of the day and he's made me a caretaker. And therefore, if I'm a caretaker, what am I doing with the things he's given me? And they were willing to give of that because of that truth. They let that truth sink into their brains and into their hearts, and then they lived it out through their actions. And so because of that, they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And so the apostles are continuing to boldly proclaim the gospel through the power of the Spirit, and you notice here that the focus isn't on, well, here's what happens. Um, 
going back to my little band here on the stage, right? If, if I get so focused on my guitar sounding like this person's guitar, meeting the, need, meeting the needs of the other, and we get so focused on that and we forget that the guitar itself can only be tuned by the standard, which can be found on a tuner. Does that make sense? That, that, if I, uh, that if I try to get the other guitar player to tune to my guitar, even though my guitar is probably out of tune, which actually it always was. Um, I tried to tune by ear too much and I wasn't too good at it. But if we would just go and focus on the tuner, that's, this is what the apostles were pointing to. They were pointing to the fact that the gospel itself should be the primary focus of the body of believers. And if they tuned their hearts to that instead of trying to focus on the needs of the others all the time, that, that if they focused on the gospel first and then moved to the uh, needs of the others, then, then they came into it with a tuned heart. And then they came into it with a willingness to give because of how much Christ had given them. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of the lands of houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, here's what happened. Oops, go back. Because the gospel was their primary focus, because they were attuned to that truth and they had let it sink in and move them in such a way, and that they were willing to see that the need, uh, sorry, that they were willing to see that the things that they owned were not really theirs but God's, they were more willing to give up of those needs because they realized that the God of the universe had given up everything for them and they were therefore, because of that, willing to give up their land, which is a big deal back then. Like, your wealth wasn't determined by your 401k. Your wealth wasn't determined by how much money you had in your checking account. That kind of stuff didn't exist back then. What existed back then was how much dirt you had. That was your wealth, how much land you had. And so if they were willing to sell their land, they were literally giving of all the wealth they had in order to serve the body because they no longer looked at, looked at it as just theirs. But if it was God's, they were willing to give of it willingly. And again, it wasn't by force. They were willing to do this out of the kindness of their hearts. Right? It's awesome. The church should be that kind of generous. And I will say this church is quite generous. An example. A few weeks ago, my dishwasher broke. Yeah. Um, I bought some parts for it to try and fix it. And I thought I fixed it, but I was wrong. It broke further. Tells you how good of a plumber I am, I guess. Anyways, people in this church pulled together money to buy my family a new dishwasher. That's generous. You guys didn't have to do that, but you wanted to because we are a part of the same family. We are a part of the same body. We are a body of believers who are under the same mission, and we're doing this together, right? Just because I'm up here preaching on a Sunday morning doesn't mean that I'm doing all the work. You guys are a part of this too. I'm just the loudmouth. You guys do the rest of the stuff. We're all a part of this together. And so because of this, they were willing to sell their property. They were willing to uh, see the needs of others and give right away to meet their needs. That's unity. That's beautiful. 
So this is only a couple of verses. What do we what do we do with all these verses? Small verses. A couple things. The biggest thing I want you guys to get out of this text this morning is that um, these people were united under one thing, and it was the gospel. The gospel had so shaken them to their core and changed them in such a way that it that it changed not only how they thought, or you know maybe how they posted on Facebook or different stories they shared. It changed how they acted in their day to day life. They looked at the world with a different lens. They were not no longer walking around looking at the world as what is what do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? They were now walking around and living in such a way is how can I serve them? How can I serve you? How can I serve do you see the difference? Do you see the difference in the mindset? The church should be so united that like we take care of each other, not because we have to, but because we get to. The church should be so united that and, and really the gospel should change us and impact us in such a way that when we look at each other, it's no longer what can I get out of you, but what can I do for you, right? I mean, that's the beauty of the gospel because that's what Christ himself did. He didn't come down here for himself. He came down here for you. He came down here to save you. And now as a reflection of that, because he has saved us, our response can only be to do the same thing. And so the first reminder for us then is to preach the gospel, right? I I feel like I say that all the time. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself. You need to hear it every day. All right? You're just like me. You're super forgetful, and you forget things that should be just embedded deep into our core. But for whatever reason, we continually forget, and we go about our life trying to serve ourselves or think only of ourselves, and we get back into it, and then we fall on our face, and then God picks us back up, and he's like, hey, bro, gospel. Hey, bro, gospel. Hmm? And we're like, right, okay, gospel, right? And so we preach the gospel to ourselves. And not only that, we actually go out and preach the gospel to others. The right laws, the right representatives of our country, the right president is not going to solve the world's problems. It's not going to do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to do it. You know what it is? A changed heart. And you know who changes our heart? Well, Jesus. It starts with preaching the gospel to ourselves and preaching the gospel to others. And when we do that, it should, if we're taking those gospel truths and really letting them sink in, it needs, it's going to create unity within the body, right? And then our community is going to become more than just uh, we have this thing in common and this thing in common, right? Like, you know, let's, let's be real. I don't have a lot in common with a lot of people in this church, and I'm okay with that because you know what unites us? It's deeper than what we have in common. It's Christ, and that brings us together and unifies us. And so then the question becomes is how, uh, how does the church begin to foster and create that unity? Like what do we do to foster that? A couple things. First, we worship and pray. I know that sounds obvious, right? Like, well, duh, we're Christians. Of course we worship and pray. That's what we're supposed to do. 
Uh, Romans 15, 5 and 6 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may be one voice glorifying the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship and pray to God together. And, and Paul's encouragement in this particular passage is that we would do it in such a way that it would encourage us. It would encourage us to live in harmony with the truth of the gospel. And, and how is he saying that's going to happen? By coming together and singing with one voice the praises to God. We need to come together and worship. We need to come together and sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That needs to be a part of, of how we foster this unity. It doesn't matter if some of you are Democrats or some of you are Republicans or some of you are pro-mask or some of you are anti-mask. It doesn't matter because we're unified under God. And so we come together and worship God and that ties us together, that binds us together. And those other things don't really matter anymore because only God does. And that unifies us. And we can actually begin to work some of that stuff out if need be by starting with that unity we find when we come together and worship God and prayer together. So that's one way we can foster unity. Another is a commitment to God's word. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity. And so essentially, this, the, the call of the Christian is to be united, not under a, theological teaching or not united under a doctrine or a creed, but ultimately under God's word. And we come together and we listen to God's word taught. We go to Sunday school and learn about God's word on an even deeper level. And we study it on our own and we, we dedicate our lives. We commit ourselves to being in God's word together. We're doing it together. And that's another way to foster unity because we're going to mature together. If we just come together and just talk about, like, if we create an echo chamber, if you will, we're not going to grow. If you really just preach God's word, you're going to come up against stuff you don't like. It's going to happen. The Bible is very uncomfortable at times. And if we come together and foster a commitment to God's word together, it's going to create further unity because we're going to realize that, like, oh, well, I was wrong here and I need to grow because I'm not submitting to what I think is right. I'm submitting to God's word. Oh, and you have to do the same, right? And that unifies us. That helps us to grow and sustain unity. And one more. <clears throat> We're called to be about the mission. Uh, Jesus uh, is talking here and he says, I and them and you and me. This is uh, during his... Uh, during uh, his prayer, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but look it up and you'll, you'll see it for yourself. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you see what Jesus is praying here? He is praying that his church, us, would, through our love for one another and for the world, would go out and share the love of God with, but that, that the world would look at the church and see the love of Christ. Do you think that people look at the church today and see that? No. Not all the time. And so the encouragement or the challenge 
is we need to be about the mission of being unified, and not just being unified, but going out in unity and preaching the gospel to people. I think a lot of times evangelism, I just don't think we do it. It's much easier to debate politics. It's much easier to talk to someone who agrees with you and just roast the other guy. That's really easy. We could do that all day. Now those Democrats. You agree, I agree. That's what it becomes about. But as the church, as a church united under the gospel, the gospel that saved you, right? Like we all deserve hell, guys. We all do. Every single one of us. And yet Jesus died and saved us and put us in a place of right standing with God himself. Which is what every human being is ultimately looking for at the end of the day. Like we all want to be right with God. We might not look at it like that, but that's what we're looking for. And so, like if we're, like we need to realize that. We need to let that shape and mold us and shake us. Then we need to go out to the world and tell others about it. And we need to do that together. And we need to stop living in an echo chamber. I'm guilty of it too, but I mean, we need to cut that out. We need to get uncomfortable, right? Not only God's word makes us uncomfortable, but talking to people we disagree with makes us uncomfortable. And you want to make it even more uncomfortable? Say, hey man, what are your thoughts on Jesus? Do you believe in the gospel? Oh, you're one of those guys, huh? Oh, here we go, right? It's uncomfortable. But we need to do it. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? And this isn't meant to be like a shame on you if you're not. It's meant to be a, we're a part of the body together. Let's, let's unify. Let's learn. Let's grow. And let's go out and do it together. All right? Um, that's my encouragement for you this morning. I, I think when we look at the previous passage where the church gets persecuted and, and prays for God to give them boldness, and then, then right in the next section they talk about uh, generosity and they talk about unity after this persecution and this prayer for boldness, I, I think it's powerful. And I think it's powerful for us because we need to pray for boldness, but we also need to be united. We need to be the church body. And we need to trust in God as sovereign and we need to preach the gospel to ourselves and we need to continue to not only just talk, but also live out our lives in a way that preaches the gospel, right? We need to be generous. We need to be loving. We need to care for our neighbor. We also need to take care of the body. Are there people within the body that you haven't seen in a while that you've neglected? Maybe you need to reach out to them. COVID has been awful for separating us. It's just the truth. Who can you reach out to? Who can you love on that maybe you haven't seen in a while? Just because they're not present doesn't mean that they're not a part of the body of Christ. And we need to be willing to reach out to them. Even if we disagree, we need to be willing to reach out to them. Because we are one body united under the gospel. Not under a certain political power or what have you. All right, looks like we're going to get out early today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Convict us. Move us. Shape us. Change us. Help us to take this word seriously. Help us to be actually convicted. Help us not to just uh, leave and pretend like everything's normal. Help this uh, 
okay attempt at preaching your word to just move people to actually take action and be the body of Christ this morning. I love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. All right.